Aaron McHugh is an adventurer, an Ironman triathlete, a mountaineer, and a student of curiosity. His blog and podcast, called Work Life Play, seeks to provide content and space for those looking to lead their best lives with the deepest amount of joy. Aaron joins us again today at Let the Music Play podcast as he discusses and teaches us about how to live a third way. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafson, and welcome to Let the Music Play. I think the best future we should be part of is the one where we're holy and fully ourselves as best as we can be. And that's a evolving, that's constantly in motion. But I'm way more my true self, which means I'm happy, I'm you know, passionate, I'm excited, I'm engaged, and I actually like the life I have compared to the life that I rebooted and left behind. Hey guys, Ashton Gustafson here, and welcome to another episode of Let the Music Play. This is where we chat about what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it means to make music with our lives, our relationships, and our careers. If you guys remember um, sometime last year, one of our most popular episodes uh, was with Aaron McHugh when he brought us the beautiful metaphor of emotional calories. And um, if I'm honest with myself, Aaron's kind of a guy I want to be like when I grow up. And I've been watching him from afar. Uh, His life, the way he parents, the way he leads uh, his wife, everything this guy does uh, has been so inspiring to me. And it's been such a joy to just kind of have a friendship with him uh, online, over the phone, text ever so often. Uh, And with that being said, I just wanted to bring him back. So Aaron, welcome back to Let the Music Play. Wow, that's thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm super stoked to be here. I've enjoyed following along on episodes and listening to some of these killer guests that you somehow find a way to say yes. And yeah, it's been fun for you and I to get to know each other. Yeah, I mean, we're we're kind of on synonymous paths. Uh, if I guess we could call them similar paths, um, yeah. where we kind of have this thing going and then we kind of have other stuff going, but it's all it's just a big bowl of soup is what I tell people. I'm like, life is really soupy. Um, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where the lines of demarcation start and end are difficult to define. That's right. That's right. It's just everything belongs. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I know there may be, you know, as you, I'm sure your listenership has changed over the year. This one definitely has. Some people may not have uh, heard that episode. So I oh, kind of yeah. want to rewind a little bit and reintroduce you to our listeners. Um, so when you start and you introduce yourself, um, where do you begin? Yeah, where if you heard before, I and today I would probably say it differently. So that's actually okay to have a fresh start. Beautiful. Yeah, my name is Aaron McHugh. I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I've been married for 23 years and I've got three kids. I've got a day job that occupies, you know, most of my time, a lot of my time. And then I have a progressing uh, side hustle um, <laughs> where my patch passion gets fueled. And that's this thing that I've been doing for the last five years called work life play. And I produce a podcast every week and some blog writings that I now name and call field reports. And my purpose is really when it comes down to it is about helping people restore balance and helping them discover their path to a well-lived life. 
Beautiful. And, and for those that didn't hear our uh, original episode, um, this rediscovering of balance uh, came from a series of events um, that you kind of just were navigating your days in life, home, family. Um, and really, it was, it was like you kind of had this big time out in life, I feel like. Um, yeah. And I may be putting words into your mouth. Um, what, what, what were some of those lessons you learned as you kind of had the veil pulled back, uh, whether it's burnout at work, um, trying to navigate stuff at, at, in your home? Um, what kind of was the, the thing that started this whole thing of work-life play? Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting is I find I have to live it first right. for quite a while yeah. to try and then to my clarity in description gains over time, the further, the further yes. I am from it. So I would say today, what I can look back now and better describe that I was trying to itch at at first in this idea of work-life play really was the, the base premise of what if, what if we're wrong? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, if, what if, what if some of this stuff I'm chasing yeah. is the wrong stuff. And my buddy said it best a number of years ago. He said, you know what? I know I'm going to change the world, but what if I change the wrong part of it? Huh. And, and I think I started awakening to that. And, and I, I would say for outwardly looking in, there was kind of two stories going on that you would have seen in my life. And one on a career level was I was, I was crushing it. I was you know, what people would say, look at these achievements and things that were happening in my professional career. I worked for um, a number of software companies for the number of 10, 10, 15 years now and have progressed along the way, kind of in sales and marketing, similar to you, Ashton. And then there was another story that was happening concurrently in my home. And at the time, our of our three kids, our middle daughter, she was still alive and she was severely disabled, special needs. And just 24-hour care, and so mm-hmm. people could see that too, and they could see, oh, wow, that's really tough. There, there's no way that – so it was a really interesting com- combination. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a kindness in the fact that we didn't have the luxury of just the one story of everything worked in our life, and we mm-hmm. just kept playing it out. We had this concurrent piece where everything was always – a challenge in, in different ways. If it was going to a friend's house, you know, we were in a wheelchair van and packed up, wow. you know, all three kids in the back and, you know, feeding tubes and oxygen machines. It was a really wild, wild story. But then at the same time I was in, you know, London doing whatever for business. And so I think what happened is it just caused me to start saying, I don't know. And there's that, I don't have the luxury of my life just being simple. Hmm. So it helped me start taking a look at then maybe all of the things I've prescribed to in how I'm going to plan my life and what money is going to look like, what my time is going to look like, what my friendships, how I budget my emotional energy, all those kinds of things just started having chinks and flaws in them. And I just started taking another look. And that's where a lot of what work-life play has been about is what if you just took another look? Right. And I don't know that I'm right, 
but I, I'm willing to at least ask the questions and take a swing and see where it goes. Well, yeah, and I and I love the. Um... Like, it's funny, I, I still can't believe you and I haven't met face-to-face. Um, right, yeah. but, but from afar, the, uh, the joy slash vulnerability slash risk slash uh, curiosity, all of this are kind of these themes that I see uh, running through your days. Um, yeah. It's, it's inspiring. Like, as you let your light shine, it's letting my light shine. I mean, it's been... Um, there's something about this this self discovery that then becomes a gift to the world, and and um, I just I, I I'm so grateful for that work you're putting in the world and how you're doing it. Well, thanks, Ashton, and I think that for the listeners, as I listen to a lot of your episodes and hear your guests, you know, you just you have some great, great, great dialogues on here. And the part that I would say is, for me, if you go take a look at the work I'm putting out. In, in the world today, um, and you'll find it on my website, AaronMcKee.com. You'll see kind of one one view, and in the view is my current life. Mm-hmm. But I think that what's important, and I think that a lot of the reason that people tune into podcasts is they're trying to figure out their own. Yeah. I was that guy, you know, rewind the clock ten years ago, and ten years ago I was like, man, I'm going to drown in this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I can make this, um, and I've had many moments uh, since then feeling like that too. What I'm learning to do, and you just said it well, is like just leaning in to the possibility of what if, Mm -hmm. what if I could shape this thing? What if I could, you know, mend it over here? What if I could correct, you know, this, the direction of where my career is headed? What if I ran some more risk or and just starting to ask those questions. And what I'm finding is that at first, what just felt petrifying, scary, like I'm going to totally flub this up and fail. I gained some strength in those weaker muscles mm-hmm. that has given me courage to just keep risking more. And like That's you said, good. then there's this crazy thing that happens is that people gain courage themselves. And they're like, man, I, I, I'm doing it too. Right. So that's where I think you and I in our friendship have developed of like, yeah, you're doing it. I'm doing it. So when you and I get on the <laughs> phone and I call you and we're like, man, this thing, are we really serious? What are we doing? Uh, it's, it's just helpful because then, like you said, we, we're able to encourage one another on our journey, leaning forward, risking doing work that we actually love. Yeah. And it's very Godin-esque in the mm-hmm. sense of like, don't buy a map. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I, I spoke at Baylor last week. I had lunch with some some kids that were in the entrepreneurship program, and you know it was basically like, what's one thing you know you would you would tell? I mean, we had these questions at this round table, and mm. um, I was like, guys, I, I'm just I'm here to report back from buying the map, and then and then walking the map, and getting to the end of the map, and it's it's not what you want. It's not that great. Yeah. Um, so please, please That's go. That's a good story. Please go create your own map. Um, yeah. There's a lot That's more joy, a lot more whimsy, and uh, oh, by the way, satisfaction and fulfillment is much higher when you go find your own map. Yeah, and I think what I didn't know had you taken me to lunch at Baylor when I went to Baylor and uh, myself and said that same thing is what I didn't know concurrently that I don't know that anyone ever said was I thought that the joy and the whimsy and the things that were available off the map or building your own. 
I thought that that meant that was void of like fear, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I don't know this is going to work, you know, and that's where I think a Seth Godin and I would call myself a, a Seth Godin disciple. Totally. That he helping name that inner voice and Stephen Pressfield and yeah. others about just that inner voice that says, play it safe, do the right thing, you know, do the safety, do the predictable thing. And like you, I did that on that map yeah. and I bought that map. I highlighted a lot of those roads and I think I needed to do that also in my career and achieve milestones of success and income and different things like that, just so I could kind of prove to myself I could. Yeah. But then once I did, the irony is I was able to be part of the London Stock Exchange when our a company I worked for um, went public and we got to ring in the opening day trading bell. And the interesting thing is as soon as I left, I went back to my room in London and closed the door. I thought, Really? Is that it? <laughs> right. That was all? That was this thing I'd kind of enamored in my mind. It would be so cool. Yeah. And those are the things that have, again, just kind of gnawed at me and have birthed this work that I do in the world, this work-life play thing. Happiness is an inside job. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was either last year or the year before that um, Fire Your Boss came out. Um, yep. what's, what's on the docket for all things work-life play? Um, you want to share with us, maybe I'm, I'm hearing about a gathering that you and Leith are going to be holding. Yeah. 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 Really fun. My wife and I about the, let's see, it was probably a year after that I first spoke to you. We, what we termed then and are calling it now, we rebooted our life and oh. we started over. And that was actually the terminology that we used because we were, you know, 20 some odd years into marriage and, you know, things I mentioned happened in our family and career. I was, you know, crushing it, but dying. And we just kind of were like, whoa, time out. What, what trajectory are we on here? And is this one that we want to continue? And we voted no. Hmm. So we were just at some friend's house last night kind of explaining to them that, we went through this reboot process where we just like you would your computer, when you power everything down, let it sit idle for a minute and then power it back up. And miraculously, a lot of stuff works better. We wondered what if we did that with our life? Hmm. So we did. And we, it, it, this is another one of those stories that will probably sound more glamorous and, and and worked easier than it did. It was really difficult. (laughs) Um, but what we decided to do is we started, we sold everything we owned predominantly and we had this big five bedroom house and it wasn't like, a so much like, you know, the minimalists that you hear mm-hmm. about, right. it was more like a purge yeah. of like, how about, what if we reimagined everything? Because a lot of things that had happened in our life had gone really well, but then there were some really, really hard things that had not gone well. And we thought, if we don't start this thing afresh anew, we, we're at risk of just kind of dragging all that hmm. heartache forward. Hmm. But if we start over, and we were college kids together at Baylor University in 1994, what if we just kind of went for it again? And so of our three kids, we have our daughter is still at home with us. She's in high school. And we just said, what if we dreamed it all new? And so this event we're doing is uh, May 5th and 6th, and we'll be 
working through this, what it would look like to reboot your life, to start over, to get a do over, to reimagine. And we've been on that path now for you know, almost two years. So mm-hmm. it'll be two years of the month, probably by the time we actually have this uh, two day event in Colorado Springs together. Yeah. It'd be really fun. That's beautiful. And I, you know, it's, it, uh, it's not off topic, but Leith's conversation with Rob, um, on, yeah. on his podcast last year for, if y'all want to really hear the, um, I mean, just, I don't have words for the story. Um, uh, Itty gritty details. yeah, with, um, Aaron and Leith, Rob Bell on his podcast, the Rob cash, he interviewed Leith last year and it will give you insight to, um, what it means to hit reset. Um, yeah. and yeah, it is not a flowery word. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, and it's yeah, nothing that would make the um, HGTV, right, you know, right, a channel. Right. It's more like if if for any of the listeners that you guys are listening that, you know, you just feel like you're stuck in a rut or you feel like, how did I end up living somebody else's life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that you feel like your stuff owns a part of you mm-hmm. that you're not sure how to solve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we took some really drastic measures, but I think that the, the lessons that we learned are what are useful. It, we're not offering a prescription on how to and take these severe actions, but you might decide that's what you need. So we end up spending a lot of time with people who come to us or we interact with and they say, hey, tell me about this reset, this total, you know, reboot, start over. And that's what we'll be doing those two days. Wow. Beautiful. May 4th and 5th, Colorado Springs. And I would assume pretty soon on your website, you'll have uh, something there for people to find more info. Yeah, we're hoping by February 10th, we should have all the sign up pages stuff there. And as you said, Ashton, the episode with my wife on Rob Bell's podcast, I think it's episode 99. And it's called Rebooting Your Life. It's, It's pretty powerful. I just listened to it for the fifth time the other day. Uh, yeah. I mean, you need to get some tissues and a long yeah. horizon of driving or go for a run or a walk or something. But, um, yeah. it, you know, it, it's, um, I don't want to give any of it away, but I, I can tell you that that story and y'all's navigation of it, I'm sure has, um, just been a gift to so many people. Um, the resurrection side of that story is something pretty special. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah, I'd say it's it's a hopeful story. Yeah. And I think everybody can relate to needing more hope and everybody can relate to pain and challenges yeah. and really just hoping and believing and desiring for things to shift and go in a different direction. Yeah. And we found that, you know, our life with God is key to that and also is a lot of the choices that we made to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So, um, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Cause it's been, um, it's been so fun to tune in to so many of your guests. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting how many like outdoor enthusiasts, um, <laughs> you're, you're crossing paths with, um, uh-huh. what, what are some of, you know, if, if no one has really ever been introduced to your work or your podcast and you would be yeah. like, hey, these are some episodes that people have really enjoyed um, over the last year or even as long as you've been doing it. Uh, who are some uh, of those favorite good... interviews you've had? Yeah, um, I can just rattle off like a bullet list, guest list yeah. of, of folks that I can think of off the top of my head that would be, you know, bigger names. So 
Rob Bell, we just talked about. Yep. Um, he's been on. Uh, Seth Godin, I've had him on as a guest. I have had um, a guy named Conrad Anchor. If you know the brand of clothing, the North Face, yep. he's one of the big alpine climbers. So gotcha. he did a movie called Meru that's on Netflix that you would recognize. Okay. That he and a guy named Jimmy Chin climbed yes. an impossible route um, in the Himalaya, and he was on. Um, I've had guys like uh, endurance athletes like Dean Karnazes, who a long time ago set a world record for continuous miles run, like 320 or something without stopping, you know, kind of insane. Wow. Um, yeah, so I've had like just a, everything from a guy a couple weeks ago on um, men, men becoming emotionally honest mm -hmm. and what it looks like for men as they're growing up to be raised with a very narrow emotional script and how disadvantaged that makes men in life. Um, in work and life and play and relationships hmm. to I've been um, recently I've got some a fun guest coming up in the f spring here the guy uh, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about his name is Rolf Potts okay. and he wrote a book called Vagabonding yes I've read it art, the art of long-term travel yes. yeah so I have him coming up so yeah I would say eclectic yeah because I, I like the the wide guardrails of this work life and play yeah. which gives me the freedom to kind of pull in anybody i want yeah so i chase down people that i'm interested in right. and i know their work and then i've had some other ones that were kind of surprises that i hadn't necessarily chased down but i had these guys on that was one of my favorites this last year it was a book called uh, designing your life and they're two stanford professors hmm. and they actually teach a class that you can take in university about how to design and architect your life is they're just fascinating guys with wow. all this scientific research and proof behind it. So yeah, really big uh, eclectic group of guests. And then I do probably 50% of them now um, are just monologues. Right. I'll fire up the mic and talk on a topic. I just did one the other day about who would you rob a bank with? <laughs> and... <laughs> And the idea was about like deep trust, like who's in your world that you would actually count on to rob a bank with. Yeah. And what it means is who, who's, who are really your people? There's like one or two or three, yeah. whether the people that at work um, or in your life or at home and relationship. And then the question is, okay, if you'd rob a bank with them, why? What's so special about them? And then what could you, should you be doing together? Yep. Then if that's the kind of inherent trust you have with them and do they know, you know, call them. So I had two guys I wrote an email to and said, I would full on rob a bank with you too. <laughs> so I'm going to drive over and spend the night with one of the guys in his house tomorrow night. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I'm, I want you to riff on this for a second because, um, you and I are like totally in love with this world of like being curious and, and reading people, whether they're, you know, uh, world-class athletes, theologians, you know, scientists, whatever. Um, yeah, right. it's, it's, we're, we're just after, we just want to do it better, right? Um, we want to be able to hold more of our experience, more of our next experiences, grow our capacities. How, how would you encourage someone that's kind of listening to you and I riff back and forth about this little side project that's like, becoming a thing. Um, right. how would you encourage someone to be like, Hey, 
follow your curiosities and like, it doesn't have to make money and be profitable. Um, because I think this is, this is one of the most sacred grounds I have. Um, and there's, there's zero financial gain to this. Um, and if, if that never changes, that's a okay with me. Um, and I think you would say the same. How would you encourage someone that's like, man, I'm, I've experienced the burnout. I've, bought the map. It's not what I thought it was. (laughs) Um, How would you begin that dialogue? You know, I I would, let me start with what I think terrible advice sounds like (laughs) that you probably have heard before. So terrible advice with whatever it is that you want to do. And I'm going to give you a couple examples that are pretty random so that you understand that it, this applies to everybody. Yep. I met a guy who makes porch swings on the side. Okay. He got a date. Okay. So porch swings is his thing. Okay. I met, I know some musicians, you know, I know, uh, people that are, you know, studying to be, uh, you know, a priest. I know like a big swatch. I know people that are starting, uh, in the closet, you know, basement software companies. So I would just say, anything that you have envisioned and dreamed up. I know a guy who's starting a catering company. I know like, but I think here's the key piece that most of the advice that comes is what's your business plan? How are you going to make money is the first question. Mm -hmm. And I think that what happens with that is it immediately makes me and everybody else kind of freeze with a, I don't know. Mm-hmm. All I know is I want to make some porch swings. I love <laughs> I'm good at it. And I sold, I gave one to my brother-in-law for Christmas and he thought it was pretty killer. Yeah. And I think it's super unhelpful. Now that isn't to say that that part doesn't have its place in a timing, but when you're first trying to dream up and birth something, envision something, wonder about something, that isn't the time to squelch it with something that's really dogmatic mm-hmm. in this, well, how are you going to make money? I don't even know. I don't even know what my thing is. So I think that that was something that I felt kind of burdened by early on. And the gift of blogging as a beginning, what kind of, nobody was making money to it predominantly. Yeah. So you could just start writing and it was okay. But as soon as I started getting into publishing books and um, podcasts, other things, that's often a very first question. And I would say start with, like you just mentioned, following your nose. What's the thing that just you are super stoked about? And I have met some of the most random people in terms of what they get stoked about. But what I think is so beautiful is I call it this question of what is your good amount of weird? Mm. That everybody has some weird. And we learned this from a friend of ours, their kid, he, he, did this little acrostic thing and was spelling out his last name. And one of them was a good amount of weird. And I'm like, (laughs) that is the perfect description. So what is the thing that I'm super weird about? I'm super weird about this fact that I like to go climb mountains, but I'm really intentional with my family and I would still want to be successful at work. And we have this VW bus now that we do and all this kind of eclectic stuff that, and so that I took that weird and just started saying, I'm going to go with my weird. So I think what's helpful in that, and I'm learning now I'm into my going into my sixth year, is that that's actually your superpower. Hmm. That's actually the thing that makes you uniquely you. So if making porch swings or candles or hosting dinner parties in your backyard is your thing, again, take the pressure off of making money. 
the, the beautiful things about those kinds of things and they're the things that we read about later yeah. that there was some lady who had dinner parties in her backyard who's now like selling cookbooks yeah. and you know is best selling and is on good morning america so i think that you can't i don't think you can strategize outcomes i think you can strategize next steps hmm. and i try and focus more on what my buddy calls the next right now what is the thing i can do right now that's next because I can't control where this thing's going to land or organically might where it even go. But like you and I have experienced Ashton, just as you keep following your nose, there ends up being a momentum that you start to gain. But it took me genuinely a solid four or five years before I started feeling any of that momentum. And so I did think I had smoked something or bumped my head a couple (laughs) times that was not agreeing with me because I must be on the wrong path. And you're shipping, you know, I mean, that's the deal. You're, you you get an idea and you ship it as Godin says. Um, and the brave ship. Yeah. And, and have you noticed that the more you pursue this, the good amount of weird, the curiosity, um, (laughs) and, and in a way like become that which you were meant to become, um, fall more into your true self you know, become more aware of your true self, whatever verbiage you want to use for that. You, yeah. you simultaneously detach uh, in a very healthy way from like your day job. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't, it's not an important thing. Of course, it's an important thing. It's helping provide a living. It's paying for, you know, bills, support your family. But it it, it isn't you. Um, mm-hmm. And you you kind of have this, uh, there's this freeing feeling that like you don't equate success with whatever that that thing is. Have you had a similar experience with that? Yeah, I really believe that a side project, a side hustle, a side something, uh, your your passion thing, I think it's tremendously helpful for your day job career mm-hmm. because the beauty is I still go to work every day in the software world, you know, most days. And that's still how the majority of our income for our family is derived. However, the pressure I put on that for coming through for me, for being satisfying, gratifying, rewarding, adventurous, curious, (laughs) it's significantly minimized because I've started exercising those desires I have in weekends, evenings, mornings, wherever I can cobble stuff together. And I think that the the part I love about that is when when you, our friends, listeners, when you look at your life today, look at your work and look at your relationships at home and look at where you live and look at the house that you're in and look at the health that you have and look at your finances and all those things – I always like to just plot this little X, like X marks the spot. This is where I am. And then I have this like kind of imaginary, hopeful place of X marks the spot where I'd like to be, or I wish I could be. And I just find it so helpful to start to say, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a third way to get there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I keep approaching challenges like, well, I want to be a full-time writer and be on the speaking tour, you know, gig and whatever my narrative would be about that. 
but here I am today stuck at this day job. And then here I am over there. I want to be, and I have no idea how to get there. And I just found like, well, what if, what if you just start, just start something and just, so I've been, I do some volunteer speaking deals, you know, oh sure. I'd be happy to do, I'm going to do an MC at a banquet, you know, for a fundraiser next month. And, but just all exercising that craft. And I think that what's interesting that I've learned and probably you have too from the guests that you have on is that it turns out that's almost everybody's path. Nobody gets a lottery ticket. That's right. Nobody gets a bypass, all this hard work, and just all of a sudden they're wherever that X marks the spot they imagined. It actually took them course adjusting and mending and making choices, but they actually ended up what I call like with God, like co-authoring a yeah. new future. Yeah. And you know, we get to hold the pen. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're in it with him. It's not him just concluding where all this is headed. So if that's true, then that means we're empowered and invited to be part of authoring a future that we actually want to be part of. And back to your question, I think the best future we should be part of is the one where we're holy and fully ourselves as best as we can be. And that's a evolving that's constantly in motion but i'm way more my true self which means i'm happy i'm you know passionate i'm excited i'm engaged and i actually like the life i have compared to the life that i rebooted and left behind wow that's a good word right there so there's a long riff there no that's good so what um because i think i i i think that this is uh for those of us that are willing to take the risk and randomly produce content, make things, um, speak things, I mean, like whatever, whatever it is, make things from nothing. I mean, whatever your idea is, um, what, what have you found necessary? Uh, what habits have you found necessary and cultivated to like have the normal career path and still be very present there and still be, um, you know, very successful there. And at the same time, simultaneously, um, walk these new paths of curiosity and so forth. Yeah. I'm stoked about two books right now that I've been reading and I I do reading on audio. So audible is where I digest all my books. One of them is called grit and grit is written by a gal named Angela Duckworth. And she did this She's a researcher, so she studied what's the difference between um, people who have this kind of underlying tenacity hmm. and passion. And she basically what she found is success is less determined by skills and talents and more determined by grit. That you can overcome the lack of skills and talents and know-how with fortitude, grit, consistency, commitment, those things. Hmm. So that's the, I guess, the elevator pitch of that book. So I've listened to that a couple times now and really, really believe that grit, just showing up and doing the work is most of it. And that's what she documents in this book. It's pretty fascinating. She does a lot of research on West Point grads and why for 10 years, 18% of West Point grad or West Point cadets failed out in their first year and they quit and left. And she's like, how is this possible? Because 
they have these highly achievement-oriented people who make it into West Point. Well, she went through and documented that most of them had high skills, quarterbacks, prom queens, 4.0s, but they hadn't been through many things in life that were difficult. Mm. And through difficulty, you learn grit and you learn how to overcome the next thing. So I think that's a key one. Um, and then the second book I'm actually listening to right now is um, Essentialism is yep. the name of it. It's a good book. Whoa, just Very smashing. Yeah. Yep. I'm so into it. So it's been really uh, helping me understand it's like it's the discipline of putting putting your yeses in the right category in yep. your nose. But it turns out that less is more. Yeah. And that where I just thought I was a shrewd being a shrewd <laughs> Um, four-letter word at times because <laughs> I was starting to say no so much or not participate in so many things. Yeah. I actually am discovering that I was practicing this essentialism yeah. is actually focusing on the right things consistently and getting big things done. And he, I love how he uses this phrase. He talked about being a millimeter you know, into 10,000 things. Yeah. So I'm not anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm very deep into a very few things and a very few people and a very few friends and, you know, those kinds of things. So I've been more intentional about going deeper and making my yes real and then just being really gritty about not giving up. Yeah. Every yes leads to 99 no's. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, yeah, if you mean it. If you meet, that's right. That's right. Um, and and uh, every no then, but gives you an opportunity to say yes to something. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely love that book. I need to listen to it again on audio. I know that. Yeah. So um, I take my yeses, Ashton, way more serious than I used to. Yeah. I was not a yes man, but I was just very, I'm very relational. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, sure, I'll help you with that. Yeah, I'll sign up for that report. Or I'm very driven. So there's all these things that my yes would get distributed to. And I found out for me that what, what was standing in my way of achieving some of the things I wanted to achieve in life or I wanted my life to look like, some of it was just time to mm-hmm. be able to go out and have play and adventure and climb mountains and run and be with my kids and go camping or whatever it is I wanted to do. Most of it was my yeses were getting in the way yeah. because I distributed so many of them that it left me with very little. So therefore, by all those other yeses, I allocated them out and I had nothing left. And then therefore, the things I wanted didn't actually happen. So going back to your original question, I think for you, the listener, as you guys are pondering, you know, as Ashton mentions, what's the what's your thing? And it doesn't always have to mean that it's a it's a computer. It could be carving a bar of soap. It doesn't whatever your thing is. But I would really take a hard look at that thing that stokes you up and makes you excited. And it doesn't matter if other people understand that are immediately around you because I think your good amount of weird is weird and cool to somebody else. Yeah. And that's the beauty of having a connected planet is other people just like us out there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to say that. Beautiful. So one of the things that I asked your, for, I asked your permission, if I could share it, um, and I sent it out to all of our people was, uh, your field guide, um, yeah. that you sent out. I don't, was it, was it late last year or early this year? 
No, it was like probably right December. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't long ago. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, dude, I've used this with people I coach in the real estate business. Um, it's it's so good. Um, so first off, I want to invite people to go to AaronMcHugh.com and download this field guide. But I want I want you to really tell us what this is. Maybe share a little bit of the backstory. Um, yeah. before we go today. So this 99 ways to navigate your best life, this is basically like things you've learned along the way, wisdom, tidbits, ideas, mantras. T- tell me what this project was. Yeah, it, um, uh, it's actually, I've, I've got a physical copy. So I just got my first round of print copies. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, which is really fun. It's like this little, uh, coffee table book, um, full color, What it started was I was sitting on an airplane headed to on a business trip, and I was starting to read a brand new book. I cracked open this book, and I, for some reason, had this question of why am I I reading another book, another business book? And I thought, you know what really it is? The truth of the matter is the reason I keep buying books, and it's probably still true (laughs) of why I listen to Audible all the time, (laughs) is in some ways I was hoping – that a new book would have a different answer than the one I already knew. Silver bullet. Yeah. That it was like, okay, this one's going to help me figure out how to get my shit together. Right. Yeah. And, and the truth is I like, you know what, that I think I know some of the hard answers. I just don't live by them. Hmm. And so I sat, opened my journal and I have like, you know, I'm going to write down everything I can remember that I've read, been taught, you know, principle I try and live by, whatever it is. And I penned all 99 right there. Wow. So the list, the list that's in this 99 ways to navigate your best life that I turned into this downloadable um, field guide. And then in the future here, you'll be able to actually order print copies of it. Um, I just made this list. So let me just read you kind of an intro that Please. I actually wrote in my, um, in my daughter's, uh, yeah, my daughter's copy here, Love I it. think actually help yeah okay so i wrote this little book i gave her a copy uh, my family for christmas so this little book is about the lessons i've learned about navigating this life my life with god has given me the ability and awareness to see life through the eyes of my heart i wrote down these 99 ideas lessons principles as a way to remind myself what i really believe navigating life is about knowing how to steer towards away from or around goals and challenges. Every one of these 99 ways is a story behind how I was taught each lesson. I'll keep writing them down and share them with you. My daughter, God will teach you how to navigate your life. Trust him. It won't always be smooth. You won't always have answers, but keep trusting and believing what you cannot see, but know is true. These 99 ways are that for me. Mm -hmm. So every one of these is you know, something as simple as the first one is don't neglect your relationships. You know, that, that that's easy to say, mm-hmm. but it's hard to actually do. Yeah. It's actually hard to prioritize your life that way. Yeah. You know, if you want to feel good at 80, you better start doing something about it at 40. Right. I watched a guy who was 82 years old finish the world championship Ironman triathlon in Hawaii. Wow. And that was his, that was his quote. Wow. And it was true. It's like, you know what? If you want to do something at 80, <laughs> you better do something at 40. Like you can't, you don't get a free pass. And, and so just all these kinds of things, like listening attentively to others. Well, I learned that from a friend of mine who he would 
if you came into his office to have a conversation with him, he would close his computer, turn his phone over, put his pen down, turn his chair towards you and say, yes, how can mm. I help you? Mm. I'm like, hold on, time out. I don't do that. Yeah, how I talk to my right shoulder. So I went through and then wrote stories about these and included in the field guide. So I think in the book, there's probably maybe eight of them that I turned into actual story form. And one of them I did was don't hire someone you wouldn't want to be stuck with for a 12 hour car ride through a snowstorm. <laughs> I spent four days with a guy getting back from closing a deal on the <laughs> East coast to get back to Colorado through a snowstorm. And on the way back, I was like, I'm trying to hire some people back at the ranch. And like, why would I ever hire this particular person I was talking to, which I don't even remember who they are now, if I couldn't stand being stuck in a car with him for 12 hours and I'd want to climb out the window. So these are all these things I just turned into story form, like life lesson form. But this field guide is a, you know, a set of those 99 lessons. Wow. And you talk about um, kind of how you got tactical with like really putting this into your life um, yep. when you like shifted into these 15 minute, uh, windows throughout your day. Tell, tell me about that shift and kind of what started that. Yeah, that's a good question. So in the introduction, I talk about how getting tactical, like taking a big idea. Um, I'm, I'm definitely big idea person, but I, I can go through and then make them specific and tactical. And what I learned about the biggest challenge and obstacle to me closing the gap on my life, and that's, you know, holistically my life, all elements of it was, what was, what was the word you talked about? Starts with me internally, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, happiness and, is an inside job. Yeah. Happiness is an inside job. Exactly. So I didn't know that. A buddy of mine taught me that about this idea of changing your atmosphere hmm. is the very, and this was really difficult. This was when my, my daughter was alive. She was, um, full-time care, and I would wake up every morning, and this is how excruciating this was, and she would be crying. And that was for, you know, six years, eight years. And I'd stand at the doorway looking at her room or looking at going to get a cup of coffee. And it was kind of this torturous decision of, like, do I go tend to her or do I go ahead and get a cup of coffee to start? And then I'll go into her room and begin to tend to her, her needs when I've actually done something about my internal atmosphere, which is just get a cup of coffee started and actually started just putting like earbuds and with some music on in my pocket on a little dedicated iPod I had. And this was a buddy of mine who kind of coached me on this. Like you can, you can't change the fact that your circumstances are as they are, but you can change how you engage them. Hmm. And that was transformative. Like the very first foundational block that began this life that I have now today. And I would go in, put my headset, you know, headphones on, listen to my music, grab a cup of coffee, and then go in and engage her in a way more loving yeah. and engaged way. Yeah. And I was present and I wasn't ticked that I couldn't have my freaking cup of coffee. Yeah. And so I became so tactically, you know, I do things that on my calendar, this essentialism guy I was talking about too in my book about I schedule stuff in my calendar on my Outlook, even in a day job, where I put in blocks and I'll call them strategy or planning or meeting or just lame titles on them yeah. so that people don't necessarily know what they are. But I learned that if I could just schedule in micro rests, 
through the course of my given day. Yeah. If not, I would be on the you know phone calls or demos or whatever it was for you know five to fifteen hours. So I've learned that the biggest way to change my life is through subtle small adjustments, mm-hmm. not through the major ones I thought were required. But it's the everydayness about how how I approach it and these little micro adjustments like changing your atmosphere and scheduling a 15 minute break where you can go walk outside the building and catch your breath between meetings, make a lot of difference and have empowered me to believe that I can accomplish bigger things because I got empowered in these and took control over the small things. And when you, when you time block this stuff and you commit to it, you know, a couple of the guys that I coach, I steal from uh, Jeff Bezos when he talks about regret minimalization. Um, And I'm always like, the reason why this stuff has to go in your calendar is because life sends enough stuff your way that if it's not in the calendar, what you know must be done, which is connected to who you want to be, who you want to become, you know, all of these different things. You get to the end of the day and you you look up and you go, how did I get here? Whereas if you've scheduled a 15 minute walk around your building on a spring day or your whatever this may be you get to the end of the day going i'm glad i did in lieu of yep. saying i wish i had exactly um, right and and so that's when i help coach people i always bring them back to the idea of i'm not trying to make you a robot yeah. i'm trying to get you bird's eye view enough <laughs> of, yeah. of yourself to go this is who you're saying you want to be and yeah. you got to commit to it in these small ways so you can so you will have regret minimization down the road. Exactly right. Yeah, I just call it fierce intentionality. Yeah. Like I am fiercely going to have what I want and I'm going to go about it in a fierce and shrewd way. Yeah. And that isn't mean bullying people over. I just mean like you said, like if you really want time and space, if you really want quiet, if you really want exercise, if you really want Whatever these things are that we say we want, if we don't put them into tactical actions, I don't know many people that are lucky and they just all fall into place. I know people that are minimalistly essentialist (laughs) and say no to a lot of stuff so they can say specific yes to some really stuff they're stoked about. Yeah, that's good. I could talk on that stuff all day. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So um, essentialism, grit. Uh, you got the conference that's coming up or the gathering that's coming up in May. Um, what else is keeping you curious? You're a brewmaster too, right? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, me and some buddies uh, started a uh, we we call it more mythic than it is specific, but a brew company. Yeah, and Love it. Uh, on that that way of the, the third way, like what if there's a third way? Like, Following, hey, I'd love yeah. to have my own brew company. Yeah. Well, we figured out that this company was called Sons of Thunder Brewing Company, that what we really love is beer and marketing and swag and T-shirts and branding. <laughs> and what we really don't want to do is own a brewery and mop a floor and pay t- payroll taxes. Yep. So we, we do contract brewing um, through a couple breweries, and then we host parties and sell I'm going to make it to one of these. I'm going to make it to a party one day. We just had a release party in... December about a beer that we named after St. Nicholas is called the wonder worker, which turned out it was his, one of his nicknames. Wow. And we released this English ale that was super rad. And we probably had 150 people come through and gave away a a free pint to everybody who showed up and (laughs) it was a hoot dude. So yeah, that's, 
But when you go back to what I really want is I want to have time with my friends. Mm-hmm. What I really want is to create something cool. What I don't want is to own a brewery and actually deal with all the nonsense that comes with that, yeah. at least not today. Yeah. So we found the third way to go about doing it and still having you know, all, all of those things just in a very odd concoction way to approach it. The third way, man. That's what we're going to call this conversation. Yeah, the third way. The third there way. is a third way. It's really hard to find. Yeah. And I find that, but just by asking the question, the possibility exists that it can appear. By just holding back and saying, I think, man, I'm beating my head against a wall trying to make a decision on this thing. Is it right, left, right? You know, which is option A, option B, option C, I don't know. And just what if there's a third way? What if there's a third way I just haven't thought of that hasn't presented itself, that's outlandish, that could never happen, never thought of, and just hold back. And I've learned to pause and then re-engage and say, hey, what, this sounds crazy, but what if we just contract brew? <laughs> you know, what if yeah. we could? So it's it has changed my life in a new way recently. And help me help me with some words here because it sounds to me like this third way you you need to get really comfortable with mystery and uncertainty. Yes. Uh, like this isn't this isn't verbiage or vernacular around a finish line. This is uh vernacular around possibility, wonder, mystery and I don't know. I I really don't know what's going to happen, but I think if we put some of these ingredients together it may make beer and I like yeah. my bu- I like my buddies and I like beer and so yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna do this yeah yeah, yeah I think that it it is mythic more than specific mm-hmm. and I think that that's you know that's a challenge for some folks because they just want hey is it option A or option B yeah. which is it uh, I've just beat my head against the wall and that map that you mentioned didn't yeah. help. So as a result, I've been forced to evaluate what other possibilities exist. And even in my career, I wouldn't have imagined that I would have this uh, augmentation of a day job plus work-life play, but it's a both and. And I thought it was an either or, or I thought it was only on these days do I do this work and only on these days do I do that work. Well, it's not. It's an ebb and a flow all the time of all of it, which I never could have imagined. And there was just a lot of those kinds of things that now, as I've leaned into, followed my nose, those words you've just mentioned, it's just unfolded new possibility that I was so fixated on an outcome or an answer before I didn't, I wasn't open to a third way. And a third way is, is presenting itself more often now. Yeah because I'm at least willing to stop down and ask. Curate and craft and watch the third way do its thing. Yeah, man. Love it. Yeah. Oh, man. So I'm headed your way in August, if I don't see you before yeah. then, um, yeah. for with uh, some of those real estate folks that I had yeah, a good yeah, time yeah. with. So I'm going to come be their, their backyard music for like a summer barbecue they have. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Let's talk. And if, if it works for you guys to even stay with us, that's great. If it works for you to 
do your own thing, that's great, but let's connect one way or the other. Okay, beautiful. So uh, if people want to find out more about you, AaronMcHugh.com. Follow Aaron on Instagram at AaronMcHugh. You can also get his book, um, Fire Your Boss, on Amazon. Can we get the field guide, 99 uh, yeah, Ways to the Best Life? Is that available for purchase now? Yeah, so if you go to go to AaronMcHugh.com backslash 99ways, and you can download the free electronic version now. And then every, anyone who has downloaded that, when I have the um, print copies available, I think there'll be some time in February, then you'll get a broadcast email on awesome. that release. Awesome. And then they'll appear on the site sometime afterward. But between now and mid-February, um, go to AaronMcHugh.com, 99 Ways. Beautiful. Well, hey, man, I'm so grateful for your time and your generosity. Um, stay curious. Keep putting good stuff out there. And uh, thanks for what you're doing. Yeah, thanks, brother. It's been good. Thank you. Okay, man. We'll chat soon. All right. Sounds good. Cheers. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Aaron as much as I did. I absolutely love this idea about the third way of crafting and cultivating uh, all things that I know all of us are curious about in our lives. So make sure you go to AaronMcHugh.com, download that latest field guide that he has available in PDF form. Uh, You can also purchase his books there. You can follow his blog writings and, of course, download Uh, the Work Life Play podcast. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebirds sing, and be love. Today's episode is brought to us by Holsty. Holsty explores what it means to live a life of intention and reflection through art, words, and action. Through their monthly subscription, Holsty examines themes inspired by the science of mindfulness, positive psychology, and ancient philosophy. Each month, subscribers receive letterpress prints illustrated by emerging artists, along with action lists and digital toolkits, encouraging further exploration and reflection. Holstie's journey began in 2009 with the viral popularity of their company manifesto, a call to arms around how their founders define success. They couldn't have imagined how much these words would resonate around the world. The Holstie Manifesto was called The Next Just Do It by the Washington Post. It's been translated into 13 languages and has received an estimated 100 million social media views. With the encouragement of their global community, they developed the monthly Holstie subscription to help people put the words of the manifesto into action. Be sure to go to Holsty.com slash Ashton and use the checkout code Ashton, A-S-H-T-O-N, to get your first month's free of the Holsty subscription. Hey, before we go, I wanted to uh, offer an invitation to you uh, for an event that a couple friends of mine and I are going to be hosting February 19th through the 21st at the Redemptorist Renewal Center outside of Tucson, Arizona. Uh, This gathering is going to be called uh, the First Oomph Gathering. You can find more information about this at oomph, O-O-M-P-H, dot cloud. And I just want to say, this is going to be a gathering of people uh, that seek to ask great, big, and lovely questions. Uh, The theme for this conference this year is going to be Tending Our Gardens. Uh, And we're going to look at ourselves, we're going to look at our lives, we're going to look deep into our souls and ask the big questions of, what's the state of my garden? 
what do I want to bloom? Where does the soil need to be tilled? Uh, and what needs to happen in order to have uh, just a beautiful life experience uh, through the metaphor and the lens of the garden? It won't be the same without you. We hope you will join us. Again, go to oomph.cloud to find out more information about this. We do have some spaces available at this time. We'd love to see you there.